Hello, welcome to Giant Size Man Things. I am Aaron Kelly, and we have James Rouse. We also have a special guest with us. Uh, do you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Hi, I am Ryan Renfro. I'm a filmmaker, local and not local at the same time. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. Well, thanks for coming, man. Absolutely. So, uh, you have uh, three films or three short films in the upcoming Made in East Tennessee uh, screening for. Uh, Local, I guess, film students from ETSU. Yes, correct. Uh, all right, uh, that's going to happen at the Real to Real this Tuesday at seven o'clock. Uh, tell us a little bit about your movies. Um, the first two, well, not the first two. There's no order, but just like a couple of them. Uh, one is a class project where we're given a script called Benny's Bunny, and we get to do. Um, we're assigned a director, and we have to emulate that director's style. And I was given Wes Anderson. And I cool. thought, this is, yeah, it's awesome. Love this person. <laughs> so excited. But every single plan fell through with it. Like, we had people missing. We had equipment. We would get equipment that had no batteries. So it was just like the entire plan was scrapped to get what movie we did get out of it. So it was like, this is a movie that vaguely assimilates Wes Anderson's camera movement. Like, we just tried to do the dollies and just like, it kind of looks like Wes Anderson, but it, we did not do it justice because <laughs> everything fell through. Uh, one of the others is... I have days like that. Exactly. You just do what you can. While you're on the topic, do you have a favorite Wes Anderson film? Uh, Rushmore. Uh, uh, nice. Rushmore I love, but I watched... Like, I, it took me forever to get around to watching Moonrise Kingdom, but that's a close second. Like, I, I love Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, I love you some Rushmore, man. Yeah, it's a great movie. What about you? Um... Man, I hadn't seen everything. Like, I hadn't seen... Uh, what is that one called? Bottle Rocket? Yeah. Is that what it is? I, first. I hadn't seen Bottle Rocket, um... I'm trying to think. Uh, I really liked Fantastic Mr. Fox. I know it's the one that's... Oh, yeah. It's it's good. Though. It's, it's different. Good. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if I have a favorite. I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan. I mean, I enjoy his movies, but I, I've, I've only seen like the ones I've seen like one time. So, uh, so you know, I don't have a favorite. Oh, I wish I had every hour of my life I've watched, I spent watching Rushmore back. <laughs> and the thing was, is like the first time I watched the movie, I hated it. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. It's like, and then, you know, the second time I watched it, I, I was just like one of those, I was scrolling through the satellite one night, and it was on, I was like, hey, I'll watch that. See, I think that's what I had, like, you know? when I was little, my dad had watched it, I watched it with him. It's one of the movies that kind of, like that, and, you know, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, you watch as a kid that, like, puts an impression of, like, wow, movies are awesome. Because right. I didn't watch, like, I, now I don't watch TV, I didn't watch TV as a kid, like cartoons or anything, everyone's yeah. like... This ruined my childhood. The Transformers movies is nothing like a kid. I was like, I don't know. I didn't watch them, so I just watch movies. You, you're able life. to enjoy yeah, exactly. it because you're not, you're not. It's not ruining anything. Exactly, it's something. And like my dad, he just I'd never heard of it. He just stopped on Rushmore. We started watching it, and like going back and watching it now, I was like, I love that movie. I love the movie itself, and then I love what it means because you know it was like watching a movie with my dad and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I was like my dad is not the kind of person who would ever watch. Wes Anderson movies. Right. It's so weird to watch that and then think like, it's weird. Like my dad watched it, but if I were to ever try to show him another Wes Anderson movie, it would just be just go over it. Like he would have no interest in it. <laughs> Is there um, any other movies like your dad? Like you guys watch together? He he specifically was like, you should check this out. It was never a thing of like him him saying to watch it. It was just we sat down and watched TV. Like Thanksgiving was the first time. This past Thanksgiving was the first like close to at least a decade that we've actually watched something and we watched the uh, second G.I. Joe was Rise of Cobra or no what was the second uh, one? 
retaliation. Something. Yeah. But it was like I we watched the I'd watched the first one in theaters and hated it. Like I'm not the biggest G.I. Joe fan, yeah. but I was like, I just want to watch a good movie and did not watch that with the first G.I. Joe. But we watched the second one, it's like this is enjoyable if you take out all the stuff with the rock. If you just have like the snake eyes and storm shadow, it's enjoyable. But we sat there in silence, but yet we're not like we're like it's it's still us. We're sitting there watching the movie. <laughs> right. And we're enjoying it, and we're, there's nothing, there's no, it's not awkward because we're not talking, it's just, like, when I was younger, we would sit and watch movies. I remember watching, like I said, Star Wars, oh, yeah. Ghostbusters, um, uh, Twister, like the Yandabont, Twister, Speed, <laughs> that's another Yandabont, like, just certain movies, I just remember Space Truckers with Dennis Hopper, like, just these random <laughs> things would just come on this, come on TV, and we'd just sit and watch them, yeah. and then I would, like, you know, it would be maybe a one time, maybe I would see him watch the movie again, but when I, I was watching TV, I'd see it come back on. Like I would just—I've seen these movies so many times because I was like, "That was cool. I want to watch it again and again and again." Oh yeah, man! I, I love sitting around watching movies, especially stuff from when I was a kid that I watched with my parents uh, and people that know me. You know, that they'll not be surprised that you know this this particular—it's kind of the origin of Jimmy. The first two films I ever saw in the theater were Star Wars and The Black Hole. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it's like, you know, uh, I can remember going to see The Wrath of Calm with my dad at the Bonnie Kate and Elizabeth. And, really? Is that, is that the um, the drive-in one? Or is no. that the state line? Sorry. It's like a state, musical uh, venue now, right? Yeah, it's and a musical like the venue. Kate it's, is. Yeah, the, I, you know, when everything went over to digital, they, I, they just couldn't justify spending that kind of money on the projectors for a twin. And so they've gone in and ripped everything out now. And, like, the, the central wall's gone, and it's back to one single huge auditorium room. Okay. Uh, it's and it's a very nice place, man. It's a, it's a great it's a great place to go and listen to some music if you're ever over that way. Just want want something to do. That's kind of like the theater in my hometown. It's like I, I, they they did a Kickstarter to get a bunch of money to go to digital, but I yeah. don't know that they did because everything is still 35 millimeters, and they've been closing or going out of business for like two years now. Right. Like this is going to be the last movie. For two years, every movie is going to be the last movie you'll see there. But so yeah. I don't know what the deal is with that. Yeah, Where's no, your hometown? Uh, Burnsville, North Carolina. Well, Spruce Pine, Burnsville. Like, okay, I live kind of in between. So, so you're like, not too far. From, no, from, like, yeah, from an hour, hour, hour and change away. Yeah, and you, you brought up the drive-in over there. That is the state line drive-in. Yeah, they did go digital. They won. Is it, so it's still over there. It's I mean, still over I've there. Yet, I've never gone to a drive-in to see a movie. And oh, like, I always want to go there. There's one in, in Bristol too. Yeah, there. I wanted to go because it's like they do double features and stuff. Yeah, uh, state line. State line's done several double double features. They they actually won one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, Mitsubishi projectors. Really? Yeah. The the people kept going and voting for them, and they kept making cuts, and eventually they won one. That's awesome. And so they've gone through and upgrade. They've upgraded all the sound, and they put in. You know, new, new, all, all new equipment and like the, the projection. And yeah. Stuff, yeah, no, they took all the old speakers out. They've gone to FM broadcast. Oh, that is right. Yeah, yeah. someone was telling me like I don't think any drive-in theater uses the speakers anymore. They actually, I, I don't know if they've got any of them left. They were actually selling their old ones off at thirty-five bucks a piece. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty smart, yeah. you know. I mean, yeah. but they, they actually instead of going, well, thanks for this ridiculously expensive camera, we're going to stick in here. They actually went through and just basically redid the entire. Thing like their whole their whole business has been redone now. There um, is a um, back and, you know. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. This is like back in Spruce Pine. There was at one point like where my parents went and watched drive-in movies. Like the building is still there, and there's an animal shelter kind of like up the road behind it. If you look down, you can see remnants of like the little posts that the speakers yeah. would stand on. And I was like, maybe one day if I get some money, I'm gonna open that thing back up and just like 
you restore it, you know, and have the speakers and like just make that classic drive-in theater. That's know? the thing with the, with the old drive-in theaters, man. It's like you know, Elizabethan's a speck on the map, but so many people have grown up because it's yeah. the you know, and and now it's the only movie place to see a movie in Elizabethan. Yeah. But so many people have have grown up, you know, making out in the back seat of the car while the movie's playing, and you know. <laughs> so, I'm like, could have never imagined. It's like, oh, let's go watch this movie with this girl, and it's like she starts making the movie. Like, there's a movie on, please. <laughs> Call yourself. Is that, is that the, one of the difference? Yeah, exactly. differences. I remember filmmakers uh, and everyone else. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Not even filmmakers, just film fans. Like, I just, I'm just, I've never been the kind of guy who's like, when it's me and a girl, and it's like, let's put on a movie. And it's like, yes, let's do. And then it's like she sits there and we watch the whole movie and it's like, were you expecting anything else? <laughs> See, like, that's okay. all I am. You just yeah, like, exactly, the, yeah. the, the credits roll, you're like, okay, now we can make out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's next? What should we watch next? I'm going to go home. <laughs> I remember only watching that. Yeah. <laughs> one movie uh, in a drive-in and it was Gladiator. So it's been like 2000, I guess, when that movie came out. Wow. 2000. Anyway, and it may have been a double feature. I don't remember. I, all I remember is Gladiator. I think, I think um, the last one I went and saw was Thor, uh, the first Thor movie. Okay. Did they have that at the same line? Yeah. I saw that in the theater, but it wasn't yeah. a drive-through. Yeah. Um, we, we, it's like, did you see a 3D projection of Thor? Unnecessary 3D. No, I don't normally go to many 3D <laughs> movies unless there's somebody that is like, man, you have to absolutely like maybe like Gravity probably yeah. would have been worth in 3D, but man, I normally don't do. They normally give me like a headache, and I think yeah. that's the thing. It's just like looking at that for like two and a half, like you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And then afterwards, I'm like, man, it really like it, you know, it wasn't worth the extra three bucks. I'm like, I don't even feel right. Man, I went and saw, <laughs> I went, I went and saw Big Hero Six in 3D, and it was fucking awesome. Okay, yeah, like, like <laughs> yeah, the animated movies, a- like a- animated 3D movies are amazing. Yeah. yeah, and Big Hero Six is good anyway. Yeah, like the yeah animated movies. We saw it in 3D just because it was playing like two hours before. Like it was right. the earliest show. I saw Up. Uh, maybe Up uh, was the last movie I saw in 3D. The Pixar movie with the the old man and the yeah, house and the yeah. balloons. I like that. And it was really yeah. I mean I love Pixar. It, it, you know that may be I think the last movie I actually saw in 3D because most of them I don't bother with the 3D. Yeah. But uh, was Thor before Green Hornet? Like the Seth Rogen, or was Green Hornet before Thor? I don't know, man. I don't remember. Because I was like, Thor may have been the last one I saw in 3D. But it's literally, it was just like, hey, you want to see Wait Around or see this one now? And it's like, right. well, give us the 3D and we'll go watch it now. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I hate it when you go see a movie and, and it, uh, the, actually the worst thing that I could ever hear about a movie is like, well, they had it shot and then they decided to go back and make a 3D version. Yeah. Like oh, dear the, God, not again. The Clash of the Titans remake was the worst because they did this Why? amazing, like, prologue where it was stars and constellations like this was made for 3D and it was like that was awesome in 3D it was like this cool <laughs> that was story the only part you could and then it out. was like yeah the rest of it was like there was no point for 3D it was just tacked on just yeah. come on oh man <laughs> yeah I hate that crap alright so let's get back to your to your to your films tell us about we're your we're talking about good films though. <laughs> <laughs> um one of the others is called It Is Written, and it was, it was another project we did, but it was shot like within two hours, and it was kind of retroscripted. We were saying, what should we do? Well, let's do this, do this. It's just got to be something quick. It was like uh, first of the semester, and they were just like, let's just shoot something and bring it in just to kind of, you know, we can all just sit around and watch something for like the first day of class. And we did one that's God and Jesus sitting in the Garden of Eden, and they're like going over a draft, like an early draft of the Bible, and the gods is like, Stuff like, I don't know, man, you think the satire in Leviticus is really going to shine through and just stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, we just all sit around just making jokes and, like, God's just like, I don't know, man. So 
like there's like a loophole like if they just kill themselves don't they get right into heaven like I think we should rethink this whole thing it's just like <laughs> kind of poking fun at it that way because it's like I don't just it's just fun to kind of just take a step back and it's like all right let's sit back let's let's look at some of the the things here and kind of point them out yeah. so and then uh, the big, the one I'm most proud of was it's one called Con Men, and it's about a guy who's an independent comic book writer who's just, I guess he feels like he's owed something because he's been so, it's like, I've been collecting comics so long, I've been reading comics, this and that. Now it's so popular and everybody's into it. And it's just like, you shouldn't be upset, you should be enjoying it, but then he just kind of goes off, and it's like every scene is just another tirade about this or that, and it's just like he's just yeah. such an angry person. Yeah. And that, it kind of reflects me, like we were talking about before, like I am I feel that way, because I'll be, I'll be work, I'll be this and that, and like someone rents a movie or someone does this and mentions comics, I'm like, oh, cool, what do you like, this or that? And, you know, like I was at a Domino's and a girl behind the counter was like, oh, I like your, I think I had a Batman shirt or something. Like, I like your shirts. Oh, thank you. What's your favorite Batman story? And she goes, Oh, I, I don't know. What's yours? And I'm like, Oh, okay. I know. <laughs> yeah. You don't really care. You've never seen yeah. the inside of a comic book store. Exactly. <laughs> and so I just kind of felt, I kind of want to say something. But then, like I said before, it's, I shouldn't be, or people shouldn't be as upset about it because, like, you can walk into almost any store and find comic book merchandise. You can find so much more at comic book stores. Like, there's so much more, uh, those are much, much, there's so much more stuff in comic book stores. There are more comic book stores, I feel, because like now there's a bigger market for it. Yes, and and I've always felt like the you know the way I felt about it is you know the more people that are into it, the more longevity my my hobby yes, achieves. Yes. You know, yeah, you're gonna have to deal with new people, but it doesn't matter what hobby you have. You you run into that. It's like you're you when you run into somebody when you've been doing it for years and you run into somebody that's just just getting started. Yeah. There's going to be irritating questions, and at first they're not going to bother you, but after you get asked the same question about 430 times, you know it's like, dude, seriously, there's the internet. Yes. You know, you know, and if you're a comic book person listening to this, try not to get mad at people. They're new. You know, you were that dude one time, <laughs> or yes. that girl, whatever. To someone at some age, yeah. you were that person. Yeah, I, I and you know, I mean, that, that's one thing. I like. I've all I've. I've spent more time shopping at Mountain Empire in Johnson City than anywhere else. And I'm sure that at one point, I was the kid that they did not want to see coming through the door. I'm sure. I know for a fact that I was. You walk in one day, I was like, oh, I just made this realization, like, if you took away Iron Man's suit, like, who's there? And there's, oh, you're now getting to that? Like, it's taking you this long? It's just those things of like it's just, we've just yeah been and, you know for so long and you know there's always there's always one one guy one there well after you wrap your head around that yeah keep in mind that Tony Stark was a drunk <laughs> now think about that for a little while and go back out exactly. <laughs> he's, he's uh, operating heavy machinery while oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, while intoxicated. You know? But uh, you know, I, I actually kind of I kind of like the the influx of new people really because you, you I've met a, I've met a lot of I've met a lot of interesting people over especially over the last couple of years since since the Marvel movie started making crap tons of money and people are like oh wow that's pretty cool actually you know it's not really as childish as I thought it was exactly in a world where the Avengers can make like billions of dollars it's going to bring in new faces and you're going to have to deal I mean, just you just got to deal with those people like you said but. It doesn't, I guess the way I looked at it for 
or at least when I was writing it, I was trying to like, all right, in his head, he looks at it as there's something wrong with new people coming in, and it's like it's mm-hmm. not like there you just you just got to deal with it because yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's gonna happen. Like it's such a weird thing to compare this, and please, comic book fans like myself, don't get mad at me. Twilight's written. The books are out for a long time, or at least way before, like a couple years before the movies, and everyone reads the books, and they're loving them, and the movies come out and brings in more people. I'm sure that fan base had to go through, you didn't read the books, or you're only reading the books because of the movies and things like that. And then they even adapted that into a graphic novel that you could go to your local comic book shop and find. I don't know if you ever saw those, Jimmy, but they actually made... I saw them at Walmart. I didn't see them at my local comic book shop, or I would have made fun of someone. (laughs) Well, they did that with Game of Thrones, too, and it was like, whenever I so that those like, are good. I, I read the books. Like I'm caught up. I liked the books. I didn't need a graphic novel and, for it. And the stand with Stephen King. And they did it with uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yes. They got a graphic novel. I yep. think the second one of it is actually still in the works. Yeah. Which we did is get coming. cool Lee Bermejo covers out of it. Like yeah. The, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Elizabeth covers. Those were beautiful. Yeah. They're beautiful. But then They're it was also covers. like it's also like it was already a book. I know that it's nice to get pictures with your reading, but not everything has to have pictures. Well, you know, that's one of those where you can read it and then you can see the movie and be like, well, there's my pictures for the reading. There but, you go. That's, but, that, I mean, that's you one know. thing that we, we've talked about a couple of times on the show. Is like, um, I'm, I'm actually working on putting together a set of some of the, the, uh, the Dark Tower stuff that, that Marvel's ad- uh, adapted from Stephen King. But now Stephen King's involved in that. Yeah. You know, so there's, that, you know, there's possible new content happening there. Yep. And he he's been noted on a couple of times in the past as you know taking an opportunity to fix something that didn't he didn't like the way you wrote it the first time exactly you get to so yourself uh, you know one of the things that I've really enjoyed this summer or this this uh, this past few months was uh, they just started adapting the drawing of the three uh, the first tra- the first uh, five issue miniseries of that has come has now finished and. It seems like there's a lot more information there about those characters, about that particular, the first particular character, the prisoner, which is Eddie Dean. Um, it's about his childhood and how he became a junkie, uh, you know. And so, so it seems like the, there was a lot more information floating around in that story than there was in the books, okay. you know. So I I, th- I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes it's a great thing. And actually, the first ad- adaptation comic that I read was. Uh, the uh, the Wheel of Time adaptations for the for, for the first novel. I actually didn't know that there was an adaptation. For There's that. two series. There's a new. There was a new Spring series that Red Eagle Entertainment did, uh, and that ended about six issues in, and eventually a couple of years later they went back and finished the last two issues of it. But then they did The Eye of the World, which was the first novel, and it was like 37 issues. But man, some of the visuals that 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 rolled out of those two series. Amazing, like the first time, the, like the first time I could, I can honestly remember, you know, reading through uh, the New Spring, and it's the first time you see Tarvalon, the you know the, the the White City in in the Wheel of Time. It's a two page spread, and you're like, oh, wow, you know, it was like wow, like <laughs> that is awesome, nice. you know. It's like so. um, Max. Did Max like they were doing Haunts of Horrors or something or? Or they were adapting like Poe and H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft because I'd gotten yeah. some of the H.P. Lovecraft stuff, which is good because 
there's just, I mean, there's a ton of art. Like, everyone does, like, adaptation or yeah. their own interpretation of, like, oh, this was my Cthulhu or this was um, it, Mountain, the Mountains of Madness. This is how I picture, uh, Yeah. I cannot remember the name of the characters, but, like, you know, just, and, and, oh, it's just more stuff to add to that. Was yeah. there a lot of, so, like, the way, uh, I, I want to say Christopher Lee, but I don't think that's his name. The guy, like, the artist who did all the stuff for Lord of the Rings. Like, Lord of the Rings came out, and then he became, like, the first and foremost, like, he was the artist, or there was two of them that were just like, there. when you want to have Lord of the Rings artwork, that's where you go. But until they weren't doing a lot of, it's not like the comic adaptations like now where, hey, they did a book, and then right. now there's a comic book version, so you can kind of see some of the stuff. Yep. Like back then, it was just someone takes this, like, I really like this book, and I'm a really good artist, so I'll paint it and do right. give you a picture yeah, and, and there are many artists that have done that, and uh, you know, I mean, the, there was, you know, for many years there was a series of comics run, uh, Classics Illustrated, that that's what they did was they took the great literary works and adapted them into comic books, and some of them are fantastic, some of them are, eh, you yeah, know, but some of them are really good, uh, and Marvel actually adapted one of my favorite stories a few years ago, uh, the picture of Dorian Gray. Yeah, that was awesome, like. That's one of the that's one of the random things that I was just like I walked by. I was like, ah, I love that book. You know, pull it off the shelf. You know, went home read. It's like call call the comic book stores. Like I want every issue of this now. Put me on the pull. <laughs> yeah, and so you know, uh, I I think that adapting is pretty cool because it, you know it it's crossing up groups of fans yeah and it's also giving it's bringing more fans to the work like we were talking about Psycho earlier everybody hates on the Gus Van Zandt Psycho I don't I'm not not saying it's particularly better than the original it's 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 good but he did yeah he did exactly what he set out to do where he was like nobody's watching Psycho anymore so I'm going to do a shot for shot remake more or less to advertise the original movie just so it gets out there and more people are made aware of it so just look at a comic book adaptation as this is just to turn more people on. They like this, they're going to go back to the source material. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, the original source material is Hitchcock. Yep. Hitchcock. It's Hitchcock. That's all you've got to say. You know, it's like the the, the godfather of, I guess, technically shock film. And know? suspense like, and just thriller, yeah. And I, am I remembering right that that was the first mass release film that Hollywood let out that had nudity in it? The first socket. I don't know. Was there, I mean, like, other than you kind of see her butt, but I don't think you see any, like, I don't think you see anything from the front or anything. Do I you? think you do. Do you? Hmm. I think you do. Oh, no, I thought it was just the back. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. I may be wrong. But I still, may be that still could be something. I may I mean, be getting things crossed up. But either way, I mean. I mean, you know, either way, that was definitely probably really edgy. Yeah. That yeah. could have been the first. That, that last movie about Hitchcock that came out, which I'm drawing a blank on, Anthony, yeah, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins, Hopkins was in. I know that the, that that was addressed in that, but I, I mean. The man uh, behind or the man in the door. I don't know. It's yeah. this. Yeah, I work at a video store, and like I see it on the shelf all the time. Yeah. I actually didn't see that movie, so. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. Let's Pretty good say, or no? Is yeah. It like, well, it's like, is it faithful? Because he was, he was like Kubrick, or not, uh, well, Kubrick and uh, the guy, uh, Coppola, where they were like madmen, like pushing people way too far behind the camera to get certain shots and things like that. Uh, not, it, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily that, quite that far, but he, he definitely, in, in the terms of Psycho, he, you know, he decided that 
he was kind of going to kind of punch some people in the face with this movie. Yeah, you know? it's like, and he, I think that he thought that that was a necessary thing for film to take another step forward. And you know, you can't look back and say that he was wrong. No, you know, not not everything Hitchcock did was fan, you know, fantastic. But I think that Psycho is one of the movies that is it, it redefined cinema. Yeah, redefined cinema for all you know for all time. I mean, after Psycho, everything changed. Um. But yeah, love, love that. Love, love me some Hitchcock. So <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah, Darling for Murder. It's fantastic. Yeah. Vertigo. Yeah. Vertigo. Wow. Yeah. Rear window. Yep. Yeah. Ver- Vertigo probably is is one of my favorite movies. Is that that wasn't like? I mean, it's it was just birds, just, you know, just yeah. the birds. You know, that's a pretty. <laughs> Vertigo is just that huge with like contra zoom. With the yeah. whole, yeah. For, oh, the, yeah, for the feeling of vertigo and everything, it was like yeah. a big technical achievement. Yeah. Which I'm not saying ContraZoom didn't yeah. exist before then, but they had really like gave oh, yeah, they given light to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know if you want to if you want to have a weird experience, find somebody that's got a, a, a TV that's got a 240 hertz re- refresh rate and watch that. Oh, the vertigo. Yeah. Because <laughs> they they you know they you know at 240 hertz it tracks motion so so smoothly. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. You know. And then, then they do that. It's like mm, I need to mm. check that out. Yeah, watch your, <laughs> watch your I'm, Blu-ray I'm, I'm having. I'm going to just sit here on the couch for a little bit and not move. <laughs> yeah, actually, what? Want to watch a Blu-ray transfer now? That so. Have you got the 240 hertz TV? Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Your TV is the size of most people's living room. <laughs> it's not that big. It's pretty big. I can't say anything. How big is your TV? Sixty. Uh, mine's sixty-one. See. <laughs> But See, yours, I got, yours is quite a bit newer than mine, so I do have Psycho on Blu-ray now. It, it's a pretty good transfer, but I don't have any other Hitchcock, uh, you know, on Blu-ray. I don't. I, I'm, I'm sure Hitchcock's somebody that they have transferred everything, oh, if yeah. not at least all this big stuff over. Well, Blu-ray is not necessarily. I mean, like if you're watching something on film, most DVDs are just as going to be as, just as good as yeah. the Blu-ray. It's just the the audio is the biggest thing when it comes to Blu-ray yeah. and digital. Like anything filmed digitally looks fantastic on Blu-ray, but as film. Film and Blu-ray, there's minor differences, but for the most part, it looks kind of the same. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Are, are, are you shooting digitally when you shoot, or yeah. do you try to shoot on film? I would love to shoot on film, but we, if we don't have I'm film sure cameras, yeah, it's, just, it's just too hard to find. Like, you've got to order it, and you pay out the behind for it. I'm not and sure how your cursing goes on bad the happen and you lose, lose Oh, yeah. Shooting, you know? Overexpose your film. You actually right. let the let light in on the film before you get it in, because it's so tricky to, to maneuver, because... Anytime you buy film, you're going to be wasting about a foot, two feet, just getting it into the camera. And if you're filming on like a small 16 millimeter camera, you're not getting big cartridges of film anyway. So you're losing right. a, a good portion of film just trying to get the film in because light has to hit it to pull it through the the, the mechanism to get the film rolling. And then that editing, you know, yeah, that, that, that editing of the film is always something that has uh, impressed me, you know, to. to you know, splicing everything, but uh, that's definitely like a lost art. I mean, you know, and and I w- I wish that more people would shoot on film. I think Tarantino's still predominantly oh, yeah. film, um, uh, and he said he would retire. I know whenever, I guess they won't let him shoot film or film is completely gone. Exactly, he um, wants to write mystery novels. And yeah, stuff, man. but, but uh, Catching Fire was uh, one of the more recent like big budget movies to actually shoot on film. Was it film? Yeah, and it was like I watched them. I read the book, the first book. 
not the biggest, you know, it's like the first book's it's enjoyable for what it is, like teen juvenile fiction. And then the movie, I hated the movie just because of the hype around it. Oh, man. But then, like, I watched it because like, I have to pay my dues to something that was yeah. made on film within the last decade. I could be wrong, but I think they shot True Detective on film to get that feel of the... To match the timelines, I think they shot that movie nice. on, or the the series on film. I could be wrong there, but I think they did. Uh, yeah, I you know you're, you were talking about the the differences between the books and the and the films on on Catching Fire. I, see, I was the exact opposite. I think the pacing in the movie, in the films is better than it is in the books. Well, it's 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 what you're switching your because everything's first person well, in the books. Yeah, but. I, one of my major complaints is, and yeah, I, I read a lot. I mean, not just comics. I read yeah. tons of novels constantly going. I mean, I've got something to read in my hand most of the time, you know, if at all possible. I read the first novel, and it was great. I loved the first yeah. novel. And the way I felt by the time I got to the third novel was that the first novel was intended to be a one and done. And oh, then, absolutely. And then it sold yeah. a billion copies. You know, anything that has a number and so, two and a three that lead into each other, the yeah. first one was a one and done, or yeah. the first one was if if we don't do it, I mean, I'd like to do more, but if it doesn't sell, then at least the story yeah. wrapped up. Right. That that was kind of how I felt about it, but but there was there was a particular there's a point in the second novel where there's a particular character that's introduced, and almost within the same chapter, I figured out what was going to happen at the end of the third book. What was the character? Because I read the first two. Like, I the, I liked the, the first one. The president of uh, District Thirteen. See, I don't even remember. Hmm. I can't. Yeah, I can't. It was it was half to three quarters of the way through the second book. So, you know, it's when they yeah. take, when they take Katniss to District Thirteen after you know after breaking her out and she when she meets the president of District Thirteen. Wait, wait, wait did you say that she's introduced in the third book or the second book? Second book. See, I don't remember in the second book. I might be wrong. I, I'm just saying, like, I, I didn't read... Because, I mean, honestly, you, you know, like you said, they are young readers' novels. I read yeah. through them. I mean, it, it was oh, like yeah. a couple of days. Well, they're, the, they're, they're fast because, like, the way like the way it is paced, you just tear through it because yeah. everything's first person. I like yeah. the first one. By the end of the second one, I hated it and I did not want to read anymore. Oh, yeah. Just because Peta, to me, is the worst character in literary history. <laughs> oh, he's so worthless. Yeah, man, I just... I... I, I, I after the the thought occurred to me as to what I thought was going to happen, yeah, the rest of me reading that series was waiting for that to happen, and yeah. then it happened, and I was like, "Well, I was right. Screw this book." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have lost my notebook. I just though, threw my notepad across the uh, across the room. He was done with it. I was done. It was. But uh, I think Catching Fire was a lot better than the first one. Like it had a, it had um, a better director, and I cannot remember. Uh, the name right now, but it was a, it was a way better. The movie itself was just better than the first one because it was coming off of uh, Twilight hype and Harry Potter wrapping yeah. up. So we got to throw something else out there. Percy Jackson right. didn't do it for us. Maybe The Hunger Games will, and it did. Like it, yeah. it, it, it I just started like, over, overall. I've I've enjoyed the movies or the films much more than I enjoyed the novels. Yeah. So, um, but uh, uh, and you know you're looking at Philip Seymour Hoffman's final performance too. And boy, did he play that character very well. Yeah. Until there's like, it's so weird. They always do, this actor died, this was their final movie. And then like two years yeah. after their death, you see the random D- straight to DVD on the Yeah, a, on so, a something shelf. that was never going to see the yeah. light of day if that, car- if yeah, that, exactly. if that guy hadn't died. Yep. You know, but. 
Because there's, I've, I still see David Carradine movies pop up from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Like two years, three years after he's dead, it's like, huh, huh. <laughs> uh, going back to the film festival at Riddle Reel, how many films are no, there? Nine. Nine films? Yeah. I'm a third of the festival, which I don't know if I like that or if it's just, uh, it's like, oh, should I feel honored? And it's like, no, because a third of those movies are just going to be terrible. Was I don't jump to that conclusion. Uh, was there like a a set like time frame? Like this needs to be like ten minutes or between ten and thirty, or it can be some of them. I mean, like they don't. They definitely don't. I mean, if if you could undertake and do like a half an hour film, I'm sure the professor, you know, it's like, oh, that's you did it. And if you do it well, yeah. great. But it's probably she tends to go for more of the eight to twelve minute films for the festival, just to kind of give it a better like even out. You do like an hour and fifteen minutes a movie. You do some Q and A afterwards, and like right. they have like production right. awards right. and things yeah. like that. Yeah, that's very cool, man. It's very cool. I, the Aaron says he thinks he's probably gonna maybe try to go to it. Yeah, I'm too. not gonna be able to go. I've got to work. I'm sorry, but I I do want to see it. So you know, like we yeah. know, like we spoke about earlier. Yeah, definitely. Shoot, yeah. shoot me a link whenever you decide to post them. Oh yeah, as soon uh, as it. Yeah, and we will share it on our on our Facebook page too. So I appreciate that. Yes, get you a little exposure. Yeah, as soon as I screen it Tuesday, I've got to put it online because I'm trying to put it in other festivals and. Uh, in order for them to see it, I have to, like, there's got to be a link online that they can watch to just, just to watch save it. from yeah. having to print up unnecessary DVDs, I'm sure. Like, once things go through their, their selection process, right. if they want a, a nicer transfer, uh, can send it in that way. But for now, it's just a matter of finding links to it online. So. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, like, content, was there anything that, like, you couldn't do? Uh, like, like, for instance, I mean, like, a rating-wise, could you... Do an R-rated film and do pretty much any content you that you wanted to that was, I mean, not... I would say that, like, these would be R just for language. I mean, content-wise, it's not that bad. The one I did last year would definitely be because there's a lot of drug use, you know, okay, quote, so, unquote, drug I mean, use. You I mean, can do drug use. They're pretty much open with anything. Yeah, there was a guy... Well, I mean, um, it's, a, it's, it's a, Yeah, it's a student film. It's, okay, not like, yeah. it's not like it's going anything, you know... Oh, excuse me. Like, they're not going to censor anything. They're just going to, like, whatever you turn in, they're going to go for. You just kind of would say, hey, there's nudity in this movie to warn classmates. But the professors are not going to shy away from it. Right. Um, there's actually a guy who's working on a project for another class that I'm in this semester that was like, I think I'm going to do, like, a nude bit in this movie for the movie. And I was like, I, you know, he'd asked um, before the blizzard of last week, last class we had, he's like, what are, you, what are your thoughts on nudity? And I was like, I mean... Use your best judgment. I mean, I can't say no, but it's not like I'm, you know, don't shoot porn or anything. Right. Yeah. Is there nudity in yours? No. I I thought what about... Do you want to see naked? <laughs> yeah, no, wait a minute. You want to see naked comic book geeks? Exactly. There could be naked comic book women. I don't know. I don't know any naked comic book. No, I just... That is a fucking creature of myth. <laughs> it's a creature of myth. The naked comic book women are hanging out with dogs playing poker and... and Wow. Unicorns are serving them drinks served on the heads of, of them leprechauns. Let me ask you something. It ain't gonna fucking happen. Do you do you remember <laughs> the first movie that you ever saw nudity in? Yes. What was it? Uh, it was this really really bad like Swedish barbarian movie called The Iron Barbarians. Do you remember yours? Yeah, I don't know what the title of it was, but I remember the scene. It's like. Something from the 30s. The movie wasn't from the 30s, but it was set in like the 30s uh -huh. and 40s. And there's like a pilot and a girl escape to a barn, 
and uh, she takes her top off, and then he's like, he's nervous. Like you, I remember distinctly his hands being nervous as he gropes her, and I was just like, <laughs> it was so weird because I I was maybe seven. And I'd snuck up like, oh, I want to watch TV this morning. You know, my yeah. mother was asleep on the couch behind me as I'm watching TV. And then I'd turn on and it was like, oh, what are those kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. What about you? We, uh, well, I actually didn't discuss earlier when we were talking about watching stuff with your parents. Uh, I was more of like a movie watcher with my mother more than I was my father. Uh, like, I remember being a kid, the first movie that I ever saw nudity. And if you count this one, uh, Dead Alive. Big claymation titties at the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I watched that with Wait, my Wait, hang on. You watched that with your mom? Yeah. <laughs> the, the big grandmother. Dude, my mom's you. cool, man. Uh, <laughs> if you and if you didn't count that, they'd maybe be like, maybe Clash of the Titans, the original Clash of the Titans. I don't know if you remember there was yeah. a nudity scene. Uh, but yeah, man, like, you know. It's so weird because that's a PG rated movie. Yeah, but there is, I don't know if you yeah. remember the scene, there but is see, full that, frontal like, nudity. That on. should be, like, nudity shouldn't count automatically in all Oh, it shouldn't. No, I agree with that. It, it should be taken into the there, context there is, yeah. that it's going with, like, there there is, is a sex scene. There is yeah. sexual nudity and non sexual nudity. I race L about this all the time because people are like, oh, you can see breasts, that's terrible. No, it's not. You have them, you know. Just because there are breasts, you know, that doesn't mean that it's sexual or bad. You know, I just I I get mad over that. That's understandable. Like, yeah, that's a that's like, like something that goes into the European ratings. Like nudity always doesn't like they're more concerned with violence than they are yes, with nudity. Yes, and, and you know that that that's one of the things that always triggers me is you know people are like they're talking about all this stuff. It's like you know if a little kid were to walk through this room right now naked. You wouldn't be like, oh, that's terrible, yeah. because it's a child. Yeah. Unless there's something wrong with you, at which point you need to go somewhere else. Oh yeah. You know, like, please you fuck get off. Out of the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> please go to the place where that is okay. And there are places in the world. Yeah. But n- none of them are near here. Uh, but yeah, man, it's like <laughs> now I've forgotten about the the Clash of the Titans. I've not watched that one yeah. in years. Yeah. See, That's like one of the better like claymation, like a Ray Harryhausen. Love Ray Harryhausen. So good. And like I, I remember being a kid with my father, and I never, I still to this day don't get why he 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 made a big deal. Like we were talking about movies, of course, you know, like I watched like Star Wars with my father and stuff. Yeah. But I was maybe like ten years old, and I, I remember he like set me down and was like, "You like you have to watch this movie. This is you know very, uh, you know, um, good, um, important." I, I guess he assumed that a ten year old kid would watch it, but it was Schindler's List, and I was like, I watched this, and I was like, I, and now, like, you know, I'm older, I'm like, why the hell did he show that to me, you know, when I was 10 years old? Like, I don't think, like, a 10-year-old kid should really, maybe you wouldn't even, you know, comprehend. Was it, was it something that he had seen and was like, I need to... Oh, I mean, he was very, this. very, very familiar with the movie. Okay. I don't know, I think he was just assuming that, like... I would think that it was a cool movie, but I'm like, you know, I'm like a ten year old kid. I don't think I comprehend really what's going on. See, that's like something my like my dad and my parents never showed me movies. It was always like when I'm yeah. watching it, they're watching it for the first time also, and there yeah. was always like any hint of nudity with them. It was always to do like close yeah. your eyes or put your hands. Yeah, like, I remember Hot Shots Part Two. There's no nudity, but there's that one like sex scene where thing like uh, she's 
topper like shot oh, in the Jesus, bedroom. I'm sure that it was ridiculous. Yeah. I can't remember. What about the chicken yeah. scene, man, where he shoots that chicken. No, exactly. <laughs> no, there's like the one scene where there's a hint of sexual uh, sexuality, like no nudity or anything, but they're always they're just like close your eyes. Man, you want to talk about a movie? You want to talk about a movie that I don't think actually had any nudity in it, but it had what, what, what had to be one of the most vulgar non-nude sex scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> A fish called Wanda. <laughs> that um, John Cleese. Yes, and yes. Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Kevin. Uh, oh, Klein. damn it! What's his name? Kevin yeah, Klein. Yeah, he was. I was gonna say he's the guy from Wanda. Wanda but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that a There's, big piece of art right there? Yes, it, it was. Yeah. I mean, it, it, come on, man! It's this far from being a Monty Python movie. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm not saying it, it was bad. I, lo- I actually love that movie. That's that's a movie. It's like you know, if you're a Monty Python fan and you've not seen that movie, you have failed as a, as a human. You know, it's um, been a long time. That's one that's like I'm sure I watched. For the I, I just I remember anything that big mechanical spider. I think that's all I remember in that movie. Oh, I think we're talking about two different movies at this point. Oh, he's talking about Wild Wild West. Yeah, Blast. and you were talking about the Fish Called Wanda. Yes, actually, yeah. Okay, sorry. I thought you were going to one list again. I was like, I, I, I just actually, We actually did, uh, like, in our panel last night, we did, we showed a film, we showed, like, a channel trailer, and then I was like, let's take three scenes from movies that are comic book-related or anything, like, related to the con, and we'll do, like, a live panel reading with, like, all the cast and crew of the movies, and we did Fantastic Four, Batman and Robin, and then Wild Wild West, and it was like... Hollywood, like these big budget billion or millions of dollars spent on these movies, and you read the script, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like anybody can sell a movie, not just like the dialogue. Like, there's so many misspellings and like typos and stuff, and you're like, these are professional writers making these kinds of mistakes, and you're just going through them like, yeah, man, that's just (laughs) that was a that was a hell of a. Triad you picked out there oh, too. Yeah. It's like I was, one. I was like, Wild Wild West and Batman Robin will be fun. You know, we know right, them. For, right. We can celebrate them. But it was like Fantastic Four. It's not. There's nothing fun about it. Like I just wanted to like look at how bad this is written and this was passed off right. as like comic book. It's it's the wave of the future cinema. Like this is it. And it's like this is what we've got. This is what you came up with. You know, personally, especially with those with those Fantastic Four movies. I think that the only real purpose that they served was to prove that the special effects could make it look good. Yes. You know? I, say what you will, Thing is one of my favorite comic book characters, and Michael Chiklis as Thing is amazing. Like, yeah. To this day, yeah. that's the best part of the movie. And that's the thing. Like He he is the, the personality. He encompasses Ben Grimm. Right. And, you know, Chris Evans... Well, all right, I... Chris Evans was pretty much Johnny Storm in that yeah. movie. You know, he yeah. he turned in a really good performance, but he was pretty well the only one. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, what you can say about that is everyone tried. Yes. He, the guy who played Von Victor, who played Doom, like everybody gave turned in a good performance. Nobody phoned it in. Well, yeah, but you, you know, had the story I think and the especially didn't help anyone. Yeah, especially if you're going to look at the, this new Fantastic Four thing. That guy's going to be the best Victor Von Doom ever. Well, it's like I not this new guy. I could have cared less when I heard the director say, "Don't read the comics, don't do anything." And I was like, "Well, I'm against this movie. I don't want anything to do with it." And then I saw that teaser and was like, oh, "You've got me." Like. I love the Fantastic Four, and it looks like they're doing Ultimate Fantastic Four. That's so exactly I'm just right. Like, let's let's bring it on. You I officially mean, I turned me see, around. I will go movie. see this movie, but it's 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 Ultimate Fantastic Four. It's yeah. not the classic Fantastic no. Four. You even see the damn big thing that rebuilt on the desert. Did they go to the negative yeah. zone? In? Yeah, yeah. 
Which that was good. Warren Ellis. <laughs> By the and, way, uh, congratulations! I'm the other guy that read Ultimate Fantastic. Four. I love, dude. I love <laughs> like Warren Ellis and uh, trying to think of who else. Like uh, Mark Millar wrote a bunch of it. Like, yeah, I like the Fantastic Four a lot. The Ultimate Fantastic Four. Yeah, that that was uh, out of out of all the Ultimate books that came out. That was the only one that I followed start to end. You know, I, I had some of the others. The Ultimates were the Ultimates were, were all pretty decent series, but they were all incredibly limited versus yeah. the Ultimate Fantastic Four around 60, 70 issues. Well, it's like I never made it to the end. I dropped off around the time they met, uh, they brought in the Submariner, like when they brought him yeah. into it, and Mark Millar stopped writing for it. And I was like, eh, I'll kind of fade out just because that uh, was the main reason I was drawn to it in the first place. But yeah. it's still a very good series. Like, yeah. just the whole thing of It's just not the same Fantastic Four. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. But uh, I had read, or I didn't know anything. I read it. Like, I'd heard a rumor somewhere that uh, Nihilus. Who is it they meet in the negative zone? Not Nihilus? But, Nihilus. Uh, was it uh, Nihilus? Yeah. yeah, I think, like, I had heard a rumor that he's, like, a, is something to do with the movie, but, like, how much of that is true? And I don't even remember where I read it now. I, I don't know. There, I mean, there were, there were some mistakes still being made in the movie, which I've bitched about plenty on the past episode, so I'm not going to go into <laughs> it this time. You know how I feel about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, not not necessarily because I have a problem with any of it. It's just because it, it wastes it wastes story time yeah. to explain something that shouldn't be there to begin with. Like yeah, that's that was my biggest problem. We were talking about the Amazing Spider-Man and rebooting and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't hate the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Like I don't hate the two new movies. It's just the first. I would say hour of the new, the the first one with the lizard like the first hour was the exact same movie as the first like twenty minutes of Spider Man yeah yeah like it's just a, a long drug out retelling of that origin it's like we know it it's been done like just give us a movie where he's established and you can have a throwaway piece of like oh my Uncle Ben or why do like we don't have to see this big build up to yeah, know what you can, you can do a five minute flashback and cover that. Exactly. There doesn't need to be a damn origin movie. We, we've talked about this on on the show before, you know. Because they're rebooting them again, and we were saying, surely they don't have to put they, the like, damn they spider were, bite on there. They again. were like, saying that like we're not. It's just going to be established at this point. Like they were like Marvel. Good. Marvel because it's Marvel knows what's up. Because it's rumored that uh, in the Batman versus Superman that you said the killing of Bruce Wayne's parents again. Now we don't know if it's like is it quick yeah. and they go into that further yeah. but it's like man like how many times do you need that like Gotham just showed that That's and then I, you know like what I've always I mean, said like, about this is like you look at characters like Spider-Man everybody knows yeah. what happened Spider-Man everybody knows what happened Superman everybody knows what happened Batman everybody knows what happened you know the you don't whole, need you don't you don't need to rehash the story over and over and over and over again because the only people in the world that don't know the story live under a damn rock in the ass end of nowhere and they're not going to watch his fucking movie. Well, Louis Leterrier, like when he did The Incredible Hulk, like he did that, the rebooting and he did the origin in the opening credits, which right. was perfect because it was like, it was an accident. He's the Hulk. That's not what's important. Let him be the Hulk. Let him do his shuff on the run. Let him fight abomination. Right. Like he unders, he got it. He was like, you know what? People don't know. Here you go. People who do know, a nice little, t- a nice little taste, you know? Yeah. We're, we're servicing both ends on that one. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that the fact that they actually spent more time setting up Emma Blonsky as a character was brilliantly done. Yes. Because nobody knows who the Hulk's are. No. Who, if you walked out right now to a public place, a restaurant, and said, who is the Hulk's arch nemesis? No one's going to know. 
Doctor Doom because he's everybody's Darcy. Right. You, uh, you know, and the 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 fact that especially at the end of that movie that they suggest that we're going to get the leader. And but yet yeah, nothing's been revisited. Right. Which they could. It's not like he's. It's not like they had to revisit. You look at I, for some reason I look at that one and I think. I mean, you'll never see any of that. And I go, no, wait, you will, because that's still in the same continuity. Yeah. So at any point, if they decided to do a new Hulk movie, which I hope they would, and I thought I, I I like Ang Lee's Hulk. I like the Incredible Hulk. It's just yeah, and people don't like him until he's punching Thor and smashing Loki and just being dumb Hulk. Yeah. And it's like he's I well, I thought well honestly though, but I, th- I my opinion was that that they actually did a little bit more with that character in just a few minutes in the Avengers than they've done with him in thirty years. You know, um, the, the don't get me wrong. I thought the the last film, the last Hulk film, was great. I didn't particularly care for the Ang Lee all that much, but I was, so there there was a failing on someone else's part yeah, because yeah. Ang Lee made that movie not knowing there was a damn comic book. Yeah, why didn't know. somebody say anything? He did like because he did it in panels. Like the whole movie set up like comic panels, which I appreciate that. But I look at it as like Thinking Man's Hulk. It's like he did a Hulk movie and he did a really deep art movie and he combined them. And I think he did it great. Like, a lot of people hate yeah. it. A lot of people wanted one or the other. But I was like, this is a really good mashing. You'll never see this again. Like this is a one-time comic book art film come together that'll never happen again. No one will ever let that happen. That was who Eric Bana. Yeah. No. That's who was Bruce. I, I think that was the best Bruce Banner out of all three of them, too. Man, I really like Norton. And I think I like Norton a little more than Ruffalo. Oh, but, I definitely but, like Norton more than Ruffalo, but I still like Eric. And I never under, I never heard why wasn't Norton in Avengers. Ego was the scheduling? It's, no, it's Ego. He was so, he's like, uh, he's, he's expensive the biggest. Have you seen too. Birdman? Because mm-hmm. he plays like... Um, Remind me and I'll bring that to you. I bought it. Then. Birdman, oh, yeah. is it not so good? I still haven't watched it. Oh, I haven't watched <laughs> it. But he plays like a character of himself where he's always just clashing with the director and like critiquing, like, oh, I think this should be how the movie and this character doesn't do this because of the direction. He's got such an ego. I love the guy. He's a fantastic actor, but he wanted such a massive uh, pay raise because of like how, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. can print money for, because of the Avengers. And Sam Jackson's pretty close off. Like, they're all getting paid huge budgets. And he was just like, I should be this and more, you know. Like, I should have more. And it was just, they were just like, hey, get out of here. So, well, you know, I can see that. Yeah. If it, you, you as a director, surely you wouldn't want to bring somebody on your set that's going to cause problems. That's the same thing with, like, Terrence That's, that's losing money. That's why Don Cheadle replaced him in the second Iron Man. Like, yeah, because yeah, he I was one that. What was it equal to what Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, made or something? Like, and I was on. like, man, you're not like I, your character's not. I mean, he's a big deal, but he's not. You know, he's not yeah. even the lead character. He's, just, man. he's and he's you're a second string character. Yeah, yeah, you're Terrence Howard. You know, you've yeah. been in hustle and flow pretty I, much. That's it. I think. I mean, I like. I he's as good as Don, like Don Cheadle and Terrence Howard. They both did great. Like I couldn't choose one yeah. over the other. Like that's. I mean, they were both good, but yeah, it's just I kind of wanted to see Terrence Howard come back and be. Roads, but then Don Cheadle did a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah. Cheadle's a really good actor. He's, yeah, exactly. He's John Cheadle. Yeah, I was I was really actually surprised at how how good a performance he turned in there. Uh, well, let's see. We were talking about some stuff. Uh, you got some news about Constantine, right? Yeah. Um, Spinning away from movies for a minute. Yeah, so. they're uh, <laughs> we're going to get talk about TV. Now. They're actually going to pitch the second season uh, to the big wigs at NBC in May. And I guess if the big wigs at NBC thinks it sounds appealing, then 
it's going to be on NBC for a second season. If they don't, then I guess that's it. So <laughs> that is apparently, uh, but so, I don't know why they're having to wait till May. Um, but, you know, because NBC, they're saying it's their fault they didn't advertise this show. So I think they're thinking that if the second season, which all the writers and all the cast is saying is going to be phenomenal, way better than the first one, I don't see, you know, like, you know, you have this show, you got plenty of time to promote it because obviously they're going to, if it gets picked up, then they have to turn it on and film it. But, um, that's the big thing because they like they don't want it to end. I mean, like they well, enjoy but, it, the fans love it. it. I mean, it's like a cult lead. It doesn't get on their their ten million views a week that they want or well, whatever. And, but once again, you know, I think that that they would probably get closer to that if they took it out of the murder slot at nine o'clock on friggin' Friday night when everybody's out trying to get laid and eating pizza yeah. and doing anything but root watching that show. Yeah, see, it was ten and then they moved it to to eight, and it's like, man, I, you know, it's I still on know. Friday night. Yeah. They need, it needs to be some night besides Friday, yeah. you know? You know, throw it on Sunday when, like, Game of Thrones and there's another big show on because you'll lose to them. Throw it when there's, you know, when, yeah, you, 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 you know, there could be some solid competition. Um, but that's it, and uh, I guess everyone has to wait till May to figure out what the fate is. Have but. they brought in Zatanna at any point yet? Like, did they bring her in or anything? Like, did they bring they, in anybody big on the first they season? Brought in, they brought in a lot of, there's been a lot of stuff going on. There's, uh, Dr. Fate's been suggested yeah. already. Uh, he's watched more of it than I've watched. So. Um, you know, and there, well, there's rumors that. Swamp Thing. There's rumors that. Say, like, <laughs> we could do a reverse Swamp Thing. They had, like, a word. promotion before the show came out of, and it's still a working number. Like, you could call, and it's like, you got, like, John Constantine's answering machine, and there's a thing where there's, like, a Swamp Thing reference, and, that, and there's a rumor that maybe, you know, he'll, he's, he's Dr. Holland. He, he would be much, around. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, but some of that would be dep- depend on their budget, but, you know, it's NBC. Like, you could do it. Um, so we just have to see. I guess. That'd be awesome to do. Just like Constantine gets his gets gets the spinoff some from Swamp Thing in the comics. Now in the movie, Swamp Thing gets a spinoff from Constantine. <laughs> or in the TV show. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that it's at least got a second. Yeah. You know. A, a, and I would say if they don't like it, man. I mean, the big rumor was sci-fi. I would say if they're not into it, I mean, it's, it's NBC owns sci-fi. I kind of want that to happen. Yeah. yeah. I, I really do because I think I think sci-fi would treat it like it is a possibility of making a good show versus, uh, I mean, clearly NBC's like, well, it's not getting us 10 billion views a week. Turn it off. You know, shut it down. Whatever. They're just like, I don't know. Most execs look at everything as, this is a comic book. What's it's going to bring in everything because of the fact that it was a comic book, right? Uh, let's see, Doctor Seuss. Gonna do Doctor Seuss. Oh right? yeah, they found uh, Doctor Seuss. Doctor right. Seuss is in the news, and uh, his birthday's coming up. But the, they found an unpublished book called "What Pet Should I Get?" That uh, it's going to be released on July twenty eighth, and you can pre order it now. There's not much really about the book, but it is a kids Dr. Seuss well, yeah, like I you're mean, familiar well, I mean they you know, were what 30 pages a piece something yeah, like that but you know what you're used to apparently there's a new Dr. Seuss book coming out so I'll read it I probably won't buy it I'll probably just <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Store and read oh, yeah, it yeah, yeah. then I can say I've read them all again yeah. <laughs> uh, other crap I've got some game news and actually it's kind of it kind of crosses over with comic books if you if you know your comic book creators uh, Joe Madariera uh, who was one of the uh, creative forces behind the Darksiders game, 
uh, has started a new video game company called Airship Syndicate. And for those of you who read your comic books and know your comic book creators, he was also, uh, he did the art on X-Men and many other titles, but he did this creator-owned series called Battle Chasers that was amazing. And so since he started his own company, I'm hoping we're going to see some more Battle Chasers stuff because it's been a long time and that series was amazing. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, comic book news. we got picks of the weeks. really all we've got because all the comic book people are still talking about Secret Wars and uh, Convergence and we've talked about that until my eyes are bleeding yeah. and I don't want to talk about it no more. I, uh, <laughs> we had a huge snowstorm hit, and I actually did not make it to get any books this week. Um, Jimmy brought me some that I had, but I haven't had time to read them, obviously, because the show. So, Jimmy, I'll let you do, like, two picks this week. Yeah, I'm going to do some I'm stuff do, you're reading that's been out. Yeah, I'm going to read, uh, I, I'm going to talk about, you know, I'll do my pick, and then I've got a, a kind of an honorable mention I want to throw out there. Uh, my pick of the week is uh, Lady Mechanica number four which I guess now is the latest comic book in the history of comic books since it actually just picked up at renumbered at four and restarted where the series was, was canceled at number three years ago. Oh. So I guess I can stop <clears throat> bitching at Mark Millar now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really cool. It's, it's this kind of steampunk aesthetic adventure comic. Uh, uh, Joe Benitez... It's uh, it's his creator own project and it was it was really really widely hyped when it started and it did it did very well but he ran into some production issues with it and had to stop doing the book so if you're interested in the series it has restarted at number four and over the last two weeks they were he released bumper editions of uh, he did a zero issue uh, the bumper editions are zero the zero issue the first issue. Uh, in the first bumper book, and then the second bumper book is number two and number three. So it's all out there, fresh. If you want to read it, check that out. Uh, but it, and I'll, I'll throw up some some information about that on the Facebook later. And my my kind of honorable mention that I want to talk about, and it's kind of near and dear to my heart, is uh, Dark Horse Presents number two hundred that came out this week. It hit the stands, and that is uh, the it contains a New Hellboy story. It's the first New Hellboy story in quite a while because hmm. they killed the character off. And, you know, I mean, it's it's set before he died. But it is it is a New Hellboy story, and it's a sequel to one of the, one of the I think, one of the one-shots that they had done early on. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's just, I'm, I think it's really cool that they decided to, to do some more stuff with that character because it's, it's been a while, you know. It's like the BPRD and all the all the rest of the stuff in the Magnoliaverse have been still running, but, you know, your central character has been gone for a couple of years. So that's that's my secondary pick, pick of the week. So, Ryan, what do you want to talk about? Um, that's actually pretty cool because, yeah, since he went to hell, there's been nothing with Hellboy. Yep. I love Hellboy. Um, I had read, I haven't read anything this week newly, but at last, uh, I think from last week's, I picked him up this week. Was uh, Batman like New Fifty Two Batman Thirty Nine? I still can't remember if it's Thirty Eight or Thirty Nine. It's In Game Part Four. Uh, Snyder and Capullo, which can do no wrong in my book. Like it's gone back to make me look for. I hate Spawn, but I found that Capullo drew some Spawn. Like that's where he got his start. So it made me look for issues of that, just because it was like, well, Capullo, and then the Creech. You know, he's. I've heard there was a rumor of him doing that. So I mean, I'm just a huge Capullo fan. Yeah. But uh, it's a fantastic book. Uh, 
telling more on like the Joker's origins. I don't yeah. want to spoil it for you or anyone who hasn't read it. Like it's 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 really good. Uh, I was talking about it with a friend of mine last night. He's like, no, you can't do a clean origin of the Joker story. And it's like, in a way, it's not because it's like they want to do an all-encompassing Joker's origins, but yet anything that's been told that the Joker that's you know his origin story that's came before can still fit within the this origin story. So I thought, you know, Snyder's doing it really smart to where it doesn't erase anything that came before it. And uh, Vader 1 of, like, the new Star Wars yeah, stuff, absolutely. really, really good. Like, I love Darth Vader. Um, anything where it's, like, outside of, um, I don't want to say, what's it, the extended universe? Like, anything within that. But then, like, this stuff, I don't consider as much the extended universe because it's still... Like they're still wanting to do it yeah. within the realm of the the main storyline and the main characters. So, yeah, I think I think it was Steve's Steve, pick of the week. Was last Steve's week pick too. of the week last week. And so you know, we talked about it quite a bit last week. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, agreed. You know, it's, I mean, it is it is so much deeper a story than I thought it was going to be. Oh yeah, and like I said, like I said last week, I think it's the coolest. <laughs> I think the coolest part of Marvel having doing what they're doing is the the time period where they've set these books. Oh, yeah. You know, between A New Hope and Empire. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because that's, you know, <laughs> you see him getting Boba and everything on, yeah. and that, that black Wookiee who, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that was the I mean, thing, obviously, yeah. you know, he's going to be somebody that's not going to last yeah. or something's going to happen to him. But, uh, but you know, it's cool because, you know, they can take stuff there and add some stuff to it. So uh, I always wanted to see, like, a like a more of a Vader origin. Like, they did a book right after Episode 3 came out. It was, like, the... It was kind of like a well, year rise, one... Yeah, yeah, yeah like a year like one kind of Vader. And it was, like, yeah. I'd always thought of, like, I'd love to have written a comic about Vader going and doing uh, more on his own and just, like, him trying to come to terms, like, as far as separating Anakin and trying to accept Vader, where he tries to build a costume that's not so much Vader, that tried to make him be more like Anakin and just, like, tried to... Yeah. Try to, more, like, doesn't want to ease himself into, like, the suit and the role and everything. Just, right, like, right. There's, there's a lot of inner turmoil that, that can really be, you know, discovered with that character. And one of the... Uh, I'm actually really glad that you brought this up, too, because one of the things that, that has come up this week is I've seen some stuff that Marvel's announced as far as tra- Star Wars trade paperbacks. They're re-releasing... A lot of the Dark Horse stuff. Oh wow! I guess under under a Marvel flag, and the first trade paperback that they're going to release, which I'll the name is escaping me right now. I'll have to find that information again. Is going to include a story that I talked about. Uh, it was called. Uh, it was a Boba Fett one shot that that was not even printed as a comic book. It was released in a like a poly bag with the Star Wars Galaxy magazine that Topps Comics used to put out. But it was the the comic was done by Dark Horse, and it's called Boba Fett: The Twin Engines of Destruction, and it's about what happens with Boba Fett immediately after the thing with the Sarlacc in return. Oh wow! And as far as I know, this is only the second time that book's ever been reprinted. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's only like a twenty five page story, but they're they are going to put that in the first trade paperback that they're releasing. So they're going to do a bunch of different like since they're doing doing one issue of that. Like, well, since it's just a one shot, are they taking like there's some two issue stories, some three issue stories. They're yeah. gonna do like a big like here was a twelve issue and then this. Uh, issue no, no, it's gonna it's gonna be. Uh, it, I believe it was a, a, a bunch of four issue miniseries. Which okay. Dark Horse Dark Horse is notorious for four to six issue miniseries. Yeah. They weren't. They didn't start doing ongoings and you know huge like events event miniseries until several years after they had it. So they're going back. They're kind of going back to the beginning of the Dark Horse stuff. So a lot of the early stuff's coming out. Uh, 
I guess that, it's that a, they did. And I think that that's cool because a Dark Horse really, really did some great stories there. You know, not everything was perfect. Not yeah. everything was a, a work of art. But there were some really good stories came out of that But stuff. for Disney to acquire it and then for Marvel to get the comic rights back was a kick in the nuts for Dark Horse. Oh, yes. Because it was like, this is one of like, our, like, we can always count on Star Wars books selling. But the fact that they, it seems like, okay, we'll team up with Dark Horse and, like, give them some money, I guess, for the rights and... Well, yeah. I guess I guess they had to buy the rights from Dark Horse anyway. Well, no, because them. I mean I think Dark Horse was actually paying them for their uh, for the rights. For oh, so they can still so, so they were licensing it, but but they you know that that when 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 it was announced that you know uh, Disney had bought uh, Lucasfilm, and the one of the first things that went through my head is like, wow, Dark Horse is absolutely screwed. Yeah. Because if they own their uh, they already own a comic book company, there is no way. There's no way that they're going to keep licensing another comic book company. Yeah. No way. And I was right. You know. <laughs> but well, but I think it's cool that they are they are kind of re-releasing it, uh, which you know Dark Horse kind of put it to them there for uh, the, you know the, in the last days of them controlling Star Wars, uh, they put up uh, a humble bundle for three hundred dollars. You could buy e format versions of every Dark Horse Star Wars comic. Period in one bundle, <laughs> and a ton of people bought it. So yeah. they 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 got a little money on Star Wars right before the end there. Yeah, but well, another like another good thing with the whole Lucas thing, like we might get new Indiana Jones comics. Yeah, because that would be nice to have some you know nicer writers. Like I've read a couple of the omnibuses, and it's like it's not terrible, but you know, I, I read some of the early Dark Horse, uh, the early Dark Horse uh, Indiana Jones stuff, and you know, like Fate of Atlantis, they were they were pretty good you know uh my favorite indiana jones comics were the original marvel indiana jones it was called it was this uh 34 issue series called further adventures of indiana indiana jones and they were just fantastic you know it's like it was it picked up because it picked up right after the end of raiders of the lost ark you know and just it's 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 an ongoing story of indiana jones and like he gets into all this it's typically it was really well written had really cool art uh, and that's something I'm really happy that I was able to finally put together a set of after I don't even want to talk about how many years of looking. And money, I would say too. I'm saying no, they're not. They weren't bad because they were so rare to run across. Usually, run across them in dollar boxes oh, really? at shows and stuff like that. Because you know, you don't go in and be like, "I'm looking for further adventures of Indiana Jones number 18." And somebody be like, "It's right over here. It's on my wall." Yeah, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Dude, what, what? Who in the hell looks for that? You know, <laughs> that's like there is a um, there's a there's a comic store in my hometown that doesn't get new comics. It's not like you go there for your weekly comics. Yeah. He just has a ton of old stuff in back stock. Yeah, and he's got some of the original Star Wars comics, but he's got like ten dollars an issue, twelve dollars an issue, and it's like I don't know that these are worth that much, but I also don't know enough about them to, to argue it. But I would say like well, he's got, got like, value wise, that's not terrible. Prices. Yeah, he's, because yeah. it's like issues four, seven, it's some of the the right. first ones. And I was going to ask, did that is that kind of like this new Star Wars where it's a continuation on the story, or is it a whole brand new story on that one? The original Star yeah. Wars, the original Star Wars Marvel comics were sometimes pretty questionable. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, Luke they, looks like an action figure. He looks like an action figure that came yeah, to life. With yeah, like, and like, like uh, the one of the weirder things, if uh, I can't remember if it was they because they used to do these, these giant sized treasury editions. Uh, they did one of Star Wars and like Battlestar Galactica. I can't remember if it was the, uh, because the first, I think the first three, maybe four issues of the Star Wars comic series that they ran back in the late 70s was an adaptation of the movie. And it was either in that or in the Treasury edition 
was the scene where Han meets Jabba in Docking Bay ninety three and Jabba's a human. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he's, Which just yeah. got, that goes back to show that goes to show you someone at Marvel saw an uncut version of that movie. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, but but yeah, there there was there were some there were some really great stories that came out of that run that have kind of been spun into in you know, into the, the they were spun into some of the expanded universe stuff that they were doing. Uh, actually my favorite issue of it is one of the ones that I've still got. It was like number sixty-eight. It was it, it told some history of Boba Fett and the Mandalorians, you know, and it talked about other Mandalorians, you know. It's like how that's like know, the first instant or first English first real instance yeah. of there being any background being thrown on that character, uh, and it just bitch and cover, bitch and cover, and you know, I mean, just let and uh, you know, there were there was a there was a. a a little short storyline that they did right after Empire, and it was like the search, the search for Han Solo, you know, uh, because you know Marvel, yeah, yeah. Marvel got to see the movies when everybody else did, maybe a little bit ahead of time, but they don't know what's going to happen after that. Exactly. So they 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 did a search for Han Solo story that was pretty good, but yeah, uh, that's true. They, they got but then you know good. sometimes you would see stuff like it's like <laughs> whatever whatever is really hot and selling right now. We'll see if we can figure out some version of that and stick it in the comics. Like oh look, well, they're gnomes in Star Wars. Like gnome gnomes. Uh, I'm just using that. As oh okay, I was gonna say <laughs> I was like they did garden they, gnomes. They, they created a universe of garden gnomes. There was a there there actually was an alien race that they created in in uh, just just for, for that purpose because they needed a random alien race called the Hujibs that were probably the most ignorant, irritating thing that has ever happened in comic books. And if you look at the variants on Marvel's uh, Star Wars number one, there's an issue where there is a hoojib standing on one side of a door and everybody else from the cast, including Darth Vader's on the other side. And the hoojibs are basically kind of like giant bunny rabbit men. Okay. And I'm, I hope I'm remembering that name correctly, but I'm, I might not be, but, but if you look at the variant covers, this hoojib character is standing there with his ears pressed up against the door. He's like, I can hear you in there. And Darth, like, like Darth Vader's back there. He's like, <laughs> you know, and, and Luke's like, shh. He can hear us, you know. Awesome. I, and I thought it was cool that one of the, you know, one of the artists that they picked to do a variant was like, okay, let's make fun of this stupid crap that they did back in the day, you know. Uh, it's weird though that how how often over the last few months I've been talking about the original run of Marvel Marvel books, uh, which one of the rarest variant comics that ever that's probably ever been printed was on the first issue of that. Uh, there's a there's a variant where they were switching cover uh, switching cover prices from thirty to thirty five cents. Of course, you know no one no one had any idea that Star Wars was going to be as monstrously popular as it was. So they they put the book out and it just vaporized off the shelf, right? So it's like print it again, print it again. I don't even know how many times the book was printed, but uh, one of the one of the second printings comes out. And it has an identical identical cover to the first issue or the first printing, except for the cover price. And at that time, they would actually up next to the little character box, by, right by where the price tag was. If it was a reprint, it would just say reprint up there. You know, God, I wish we could go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you open the book, it didn't it didn't have that on that one. If you open the book, it's a second printing. So you have the regular cover with the new price tag that doesn't say reprint on it, you open it up, it says reprint, that's a $7,500 comic now. Really? 
just because of just because of error in it. Yeah, there's estimated not more than twelve hundred of those in existence, and who knows how many have been destroyed over the years. Also, well, yeah, jeez, that was like the guy who found the Action Comics number one in his wall, where they were just like yeah. using stuff like that. Yeah, because it's like how it's worked. Bizarrely. Uh, when you came to Mountain Empire earlier, that older gentleman that was standing there uh, has had two of those 35-cent variants of Star Wars in his collection, and he only started collecting comic books three years ago. What did he, like, he just buy He buys collections, and he picked them up in collections. Wow. So. Uh, can I talk about uh, something that is very interesting to me? I would have never thought of this. Um. The website Comic Book Roundup, we talked a little bit about. They, yes. they, they, yeah. uh, like, if you're curious about new issues coming out, you can go to this website and they'll have the issues that is coming out this week and they'll be reviewed, like, a rating on a scale, what is it, 0 to 100? I guess pretty much so you can see, like, if a book, you know, has an 80 something, it's probably good as opposed to a book that has, like, something in the 40s. Anyway, they went for every bit of 2014 and they discovered that the highest rated book. From last year, number one was Southern Bastards. Really? Number two was Saga, right? Wow. Uh, they And they just released, like, the top 15. It, it, it goes back and forth between Image, Marvel, and DC to the top 14. Now, all the way down there at 15 is uh, uh, The Man of War by Valiant. And that was, like, the only thing Valiant had in the top 15. The rest of it right. was those people. But at least it got one thing. Is Valiant, Valiant on its own, or does someone own Valiant now? Uh, it's... It's they're still on their own, I think. Wow. However, truly independent. Yeah, they took it a step further where they took they went and took the average rating of every book by publisher, right? And they made a list of like just the average, like Marvel averages this, blah blah blah. If you do it that way, Valiant has the highest average book on the market. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Valiant average, like here's the top three. Valiant has an eight point two. Uh, Dark Horse has an 8.1, Image has an 8.0, and then Boom is a 7.9. Marvel DC is not in the top. Wow. Behind Boom is IDW with a 7.7, and then Marvel has a 7.7. Dynamite has a 7.2, and DC has a 7.1. That's like your average book rating is DC's technically by ratings. The worst. The worst. But Valiant is number (laughs) one. Valiant did not have, they had one top 15 book, but it's like everything from there is just solid, I guess, high rated. So just because they're you know, necessarily not that big of a company like they were years ago not selling doesn't mean that they're not putting out good quality stuff, you know? Well, and yeah, you know, you uh, play the odds on that one. Yeah. I, I, I was telling these guys like, uh, last week, my pick, of the, my pick of the week last week was a Valiant book. Yeah. Uh, um, and, you know, if, they, if they're putting out that kind of quality across the board, yeah. You know, they've done stuff like, uh, you know, we were talking about Jeff Lemire, you know, of course he's doing The Valiant, which is a limited series, and then he's doing yeah. Bloodshot Reborn. Like, they brought him over. The Valiant is getting phenomenal ratings. I mean, like, everyone's loving it. So they're, they're, they're I think, trying to get back to, you know, because Valiant books used to sell like crazy years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, if, you know, according to their, their little study, the average book is Valiant's number one on ratings. So, uh, cool. And I would have never thought that Southern Bastards would have been number one. Life, if you would have yeah, said just the highest rated book. I, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah it's a I, 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 will happily, I will happily suggest that book to anybody. It's like if you want to read some, you know, some kind of southern gothic. Is it Jay, more, Jason Aaron? Uh, Jason Aaron, Jason Latour. Yeah. I keep seeing it on the shelf, and it's like it's... I, I, I'll tell you what, man. The first 
the first uh, the four, first, first four first issues. four or five issues of the first storyline ends in what was what had to be the most unexpected ending that I've ever run across in a comic yeah. book. Like I did not oh, yeah. expect that shit to happen, and I don't know where the hell they're going to go after. Because we came in, me and him, Steve Desert, we came in that week and we're like, like try not to spoil anything. We're like, I don't know how the hell to even go, but definitely read it, man. <laughs> the first, uh, I guess it's. I think the first trade was four issues, and they're on what issue is seven. So they'll probably seven be due. They're about to end this next they're story about to end arc. Next story arc. But it's definitely. It's I definitely. haven't read that much independent stuff lately, just because it's like I've been so. <clears throat> I'm not opposed to it. I mean, don't get it's gonna yeah. sound like I hate. I love independent comics. Like I love you know reading creator owned stuff. Yeah. Like I like this writer did this. I want to see what they do on their own. Like I love side you know reading The Wake. Uh, yeah. I want to read Witches. Like, I, I love Snyder stuff, but then just going out, like, Trillium, Sweet Tooth, like, all that stuff. Um, I completely lost the train of thought where I was going with this one. Uh, <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, it was, like, yeah, I, I do want to, I, I want to start, like, I want to, you know, Southern Bastards and Sex Criminals. Like, I, I got the first issue of that. I was like, oh, Jesus, I, I want to read that series I, so badly, but it's, it's so expensive. Yeah, yeah, and East, <laughs> East of West, like, I got East of West as a Christmas oh, present last year. Yeah. I was like, this is great, uh, but I it's just, that one. I'm it's trying great. to get so, like, I, I'm a student at college, and i got a car yeah. payment, so it's like, I can't, I've, I've fallen so far behind, it's like a matter of, do I want to get this, or do I want to get this? It's like, well, I'm more invested in this story than this one, like, this one will have to fall by the wayside until I can get caught up on this and right. go back to that. And then the fact that they're doing these new books, like, all the new Star Wars, like, well, of course I want to get Leia and Vader and Star Wars, and, like, just starting new stuff. And, like, I had recently picked up the first issue of, like, the the female Thor. Mm. And I was like, this was actually really it's like, a good I, book. I guess it's I'll such have to start book. on this now. It's just a matter of just getting wrapped up into everything else new while trying to still get caught up. Like, I've got a stack of uh, Avengers, new Avengers, and I still haven't read Infinity because, like, I read the first issue, and then it was like, Okay, let me go back and read the Avengers because like there's some yeah. stuff in here I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and it's just like I'm missing. I can't find an issue of this or can't find an issue of that. And it's like until then I can't sit down and read it. Right, and I'm in the same boat. I, I, I'm a I'm a big Avengers fan, but when I came back to I, I'd been out of comic book collecting for a little while. When I came back, it was you know it was after the Avengers movie, so there's a million damn Avengers books. Oh yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on in any of them, so I just kind of stepped away from it for a little bit. But you know, there was uh, there was some stuff come out, and I actually was at out at Mr. K's one day, and I had picked up like the first three issues. But I'm I'm out at Mr. K's and I'm just like rifling through the dollar comics out there, and there was like fifteen, sixteen consecutive issues, and they started right at number four. Yeah, I was like. That's most of the series at yep. this point, you know. It's like I'm just gonna go ahead and buy that right now, you know. Drop, drop, twenty bucks, yeah. twenty bucks, and, and be caught up. But I've got I'm missing through the current issue that came out this month. I'm missing six issues, but it's did three. You, did you go back and get any of the first ones? I've got them. Yeah, like I but, I did the same thing. Like I went to I found like one through twelve of New Avengers, and yeah. then like one through let's say 15, maybe missing like 13 or 12 or something like that. And yes. I was the same thing. I was like, oh, I've got to snag these up. Uh, the issue one bandit hadn't hit out there. Like, that's the one thing I like going to Mr. K's for stuff, but... They cycle through stuff the, really yeah, fast. But the issue one bandit is there every day, I think, because, like, I'll see a run, and I'm like, oh, wow, and it's like, but there's no issue one. Like, people just right. literally buy the issue ones because just of... because it's the first And it's issue, like, man. you screwed me because I want to read this, and you're just going to have issue one of it. Buy the whole thing or leave it alone. Right. Or buy the trade, whatever. Yeah. 
Um, uh, yeah, I, I've run into that several times out there, but I do, I do, I do love like you know if if I'm looking to plug up holes in a collection, it's Mountain Empire. If I don't find it at Mountain Empire from Mr. K's, yep. then I start looking online. There you go. Dollar but uh, you know, every time I go to Mr. K's, I'll, I'll go through probably ten or twelve boxes before I walk out the door. Oh yeah, I, I and I'll walk away with actually. twenty bucks that are all filling in holes in my collection, and it's the randomest crap. Cross gen. I, I will this. go. I've ordered one book online. Uh, just because it's like a, it was a last ditch effort and it was like the last hunt Hellboy and it was like there was issue 7 or 8 that I could I went to like comic store after comic store after con yep. after trade show everything could not find it and finally I was like I'm going to order it just because I'm, I'm so nervous of like shipping comics and stuff and it's like you, you were talking about the package you got that was mangled earlier and stuff. yeah it was I, t- like something like that I don't want I mean even if it's not the most precious issue it's just it's mine. I don't want it messed up. Right, you know? right, and, and that was the thing with with that is like those books were not even mine. I'd ordered a set of, a, a miniseries for Steve, and luckily the guy that packed them he packed them the weirdest way I've ever seen comics packed, but it worked. And like I said, the package was actually freaking mangled. Like a, when I saw it, I was like, oh god, this is going to be terrible. Yeah. And so when I pull the when I pull it out of the mangled package. What the guy has done is he bagged all the comics together in one bag with one board, and then he taped that to a ba- uh, board, and then he taped a bunch of boards to the back of it, a bunch of boards to the front of it, and then sandwiched all of that in between two big stacks of magazine-sized boards. Yep. And so the, all of that, I guess, absorbed what damage it got, and the books were perfect. He's just like, I've, I've had too many people telling me that yeah. I'm, like, I've just got to deal with uh, what's yeah. happening with the Postal Service. Yeah, the, what, that's one thing that we've talked about. It's like, I, I've, I order stuff all the time, and I had never gotten anything that was damaged, and I ordered something for Steve, and it came damaged. <laughs> you know, but... Well, I was really happy that the books weren't there. I mean, they're not significant in any way, I don't think, other than just... But it's still something you want to read. You yeah. Know, like, you're spending money for it. You don't want it to come Do you have anything else to say? Huh? Do you have anything else? I don't think so. Should, we, should we wrap it up? You want to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. You want me to, you want me to wrap us up? Sure, wrap us up. All right, guys. This has been our, this has been our what, 12th episode? I think so. <laughs> it's our 12th so. episode of Giant Size Man Things. Uh, uh, we appreciate you listening uh, uh, for Giant Size Man Things. I'm James Rouse. Aaron Kelly. And Ryan Renfro is our guest for the evening. Uh, if you get a chance, go out and check out the Made in East Tennessee uh, screenings at Real to Real this Tuesday at 7 p.m. It's $3 to get in. Uh, see what some of our local people are doing as far as making movies. Take it easy. <laughs>